Our second reading is from the book of Matthew, the gospel according to Matthew in the 15th chapter. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord. Son of David, my daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away. She keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, we're going on a long, maybe bumpy journey today. We're going to go through this story line by line because there is such a richness to it which is often true about stories of Jesus and women. And for any good story, you've got to set the right scene. And then we read, start in Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Now that place is Galilee, the northern Jewish province where Jesus spent most of his life and ministry. Jesus leaves Jewish territory where he is at home among his people, and he goes north to a Gentile Roman province of Tyre and Sidon, which are two coastal Gentile cities generally known for exploitation of their southern Jewish neighbors. Now, we don't know why Jesus is going there. Maybe, uh, given the context, it's to get a little relief from the heat that's starting to come down on him, from the scribes and the Pharisees, and even from Herod the Tetrarch, the ruler of a Galilean province. But when you're Jesus, the heat finds you. Verse 22. Just then a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. Now, how you tell a story can change your perception of the characters. Now, I'm going to give you an example of that with a story that is told by Brian Stevenson, who's the author of Just Mercy. I'm going to tell this story from two different perspectives. A first perspective. One night I pulled up in front of my apartment building late. It was late. I, I parked on the street, but I was enjoying my music that was playing after a long day of work. So I sat in the car to let the music finish for, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes, maybe 15. And when it finished, I got out of the car and... 
I was going to go into my apartment and I saw a man standing there looking at me. Without warning, he pulled a gun on me and he threatened, I'll blow your head off. And I said, I, I raised my hands, I repeated over and over again, it's, it's all right, it's okay, man, it's okay, don't shoot, please. But he and his buddy, they, they roughed me up, they went through my car, I should consider, they, they said I should consider myself lucky, and then they just drove off. That's the end of the story. A scary story, a nightmare for any of us. Does it change your perception of the story? From the way I told it, if you know that Brian Stevenson is a black man and the gunman and his buddy were two police officers called to check out a suspicious-looking man who had been sitting in a vehicle in front of the apartments for some time. Matthew shows us Jesus' and the disciples' perception of this woman in the way he tells the story. Because he calls this woman a Canaanite. Now, a Canaanite is a very specific word. It's not really a Greek word. It's a Greek transliteration of a Hebrew word. It's an old word. It's an Old Testament word, but not just Old Testament. It's a word that doesn't really show up in the Bible much beyond Genesis and the stories of Moses and Joshua and Judges. So really, the very beginning, the earliest histories of the Hebrew people is where this word is used. By the time of Saul and David, it's not a term you use to describe people. They talk about God's people's enemies as Philistines. Using Canaanite to describe this woman is like calling a Mexican an Aztec. And in the same way, it recalls a brutal history of violence and conquest, battles between Hebrews and Canaanites for control of the promised land. And this Canaanite, this woman, comes out screaming and shouting at Jesus, calling him the son of David. Now that recalls another story, another Philistine giant who taunted God's chosen one, David. Matthew calls her a Canaanite to give you the perception that Jesus and the disciples see her as a threat. But wait, there's something here that doesn't quite add up. You see, this great enemy of God's people is not a sword-wielding giant, but a woman. And she cries out not with the evil thought, insults that Jesus just teaching that would make a He cries out for mercy. Mercy. Her daughter is power of She is powerless. You know 
You've been with a loved one. Maybe it's porn. Maybe it's cancer. Maybe the coronavirus. Maybe an abusive relationship. Maybe a business. There are other demons. Our brothers and our sisters system no control that targets black abuse. in the system abuse and the and mothers and fathers mothers and fathers across this great country cry out for mercy Verse 23. And Jesus did not answer her at all. Say, what? And his disciples came and urged him, saying, send her away. She keeps shouting after us. You see, a woman should not be approaching us, talking to us in the first place. Not this woman, whose people get rich on the backs of our people's labor. This woman deserves no mercy. She is a threat. She is an enemy. Enemies do not deserve mercy. A man who resists arrest deserves no mercy. He gets what's coming to him. A woman who brings her children here illegally deserves no mercy. Neither do her children. They are a threat. In verse 24, Jesus answered... I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Say, what? That is not what we expect from Jesus. Preacher, you've got some explaining to do. What are all about this love thy enemies? Here, we have to go deep into God's plan of salvation for the entire world. What God is planning to do to set the world right since Abraham, since Moses, God's plan has been to gather in the Jews, the children of Abraham. And then from the Jews would come the salvation of the rest of the world. As Paul writes in Romans, the gospel is God's own power of salvation to all who have faith in God to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 
And Greek here means Gentile or basically everyone else in the whole world. Later in chapter 9, Paul writes, The adoption as God's children, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises belong to the Jews. The Jewish ancestors are theirs, and the Messiah, the Christ, descended from those ancestors. These are the Jewish advantages, the, the reason that the Jews come first. They have Jew privilege. Jesus came to fulfill God's promises to the Jews, to live a life of perfect righteousness to the law God gave them on their behalf and to cover the sin that separates them from God with his precious blood. And then, only then, after the Messiah was victorious, would God's blessings be poured out to all the nations, to the Gentiles. Even among the enemies of God's people would the blessings go out by the Holy Spirit through God's holy church. As Paul writes, the regenerate Israel. So today, Jesus is just following the plan, the rules. First the Jews, then the Gentiles. This woman is getting out of line. The Jews have suffered a long time. They've waited a long time for redemption, for rescue for the nations. And no Canaanite woman deserves the mercy that is meant for them. It's not fair. We're citizens of God's kingdom. We're citizens. Why should non-citizens receive the same mercy as us? My family's been here for a hundred years. We've never taken anything we didn't work for. Get in line. Wait your turn. Justice will come to you eventually. For now, you need to just be quiet. Stop yelling. Stop marching. Stop shouting. Stop disturbing the peace. Get in line. Verse 25. But she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. She blocked the way. She blocked the street. She blocked the interstate, formed a wall of mom in front of Jesus. She wouldn't listen to reason, wouldn't be patient, wouldn't get in line, wouldn't follow the rules, the laws, the system, the order. It has been laid out. But her daughter needed mercy. Verse 26, Jesus answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Whoa! Now, maybe Jesus means a cute little house dog, the family pet. That's what some scholars suggest. I ask you, is that better? Go home and start calling your loved one puppy instead of honey. And see how that works out for you. It is not the same. It's not okay. Now, I don't think we need to smooth over Jesus' shocking lack of compassion for this woman. For now, let's leave it 
that Jesus is following God's plan, God's order. He sees this woman as a threat, and he calls her a dog. Verse 27. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Boom. Drop the mic. This woman says, Jesus, yes. You're not wrong. There is Jew privilege. I know that. You're the children. We're like the family dogs. But dog lives matter. Her daughter is suffering, tormented. This woman knows instinctively that her daughter's life matters. It matters more than law, more than order, more than maintaining propriety, more than the system. Her daughter's life matters. And Jesus must see that. She's not a threat. She's a person who needs mercy. Now, you may see that this comparison I'm using is not a perfect parallel. You probably figured out by now that I'm drawing on Black Lives Matter. But black people are not like dogs and white people are not the chosen of God. What I'm saying is that white people have privilege in this country. Black people and immigrants and other minorities get treated like dogs sometimes. And we, as God's people, sometimes need to be reminded that giving mercy to people is more important than law and order and system and whatever reasons or excuses or plan or party politics or vision for America or if America is how you want it to be or if America is how you imagine that it used to be. You see, saying specific lives matter, it doesn't take away from the rest of us. It doesn't take away from other lives. It doesn't negate the truth that Jesus cares about all people. When it comes to grace, God distributes it equally. But when you say that lives matter, it simply means exactly what this woman is reminding Jesus. That when someone is in suffering, when someone is in need of mercy because they are tormented, we need to stop what we are doing and take action for mercy, for their healing. When it comes to mercy, to healing for the suffering, God distributes that unequally to the ones who are suffering. Verse 28, Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. Now, usually in the Bible, 
when people argue with Jesus, they always lose. But here, in Gentile country, a Canaanite woman changes Jesus' mind. Now, this is not unheard of and not new for God. The Lord changes his mind all the time. God plans to destroy the Hebrews at Mount Sinai for worshiping the golden calf. And then Moses talks to him and he changes his mind. God plans to destroy Nineveh and sends Jonah to tell them that they're going to get destroyed. Then they repent and he doesn't. God plans to wipe out David's seed. And then Nathan prays for him and he doesn't. Jesus is fully God, fully able to change his mind. And Jesus is also fully human, as our Wesleyan doctrine states. And as a human, Luke 2.52 tells us that Jesus grows in wisdom and in favor with God and people. Jesus learns. This is why I think that not smoothing out Jesus' earlier comments is more fruitful because as God and human, Jesus models for us a very important component of faithfulness, of what it means to be God's faithful people. And it's a skill that is incredibly lacking in our society today. Jesus listens to a new perspective. Jesus learns from someone he considered to be a threat. And Jesus changes his mind. He gets taught by a woman who he sees as an enemy, who comes and shouts and protests and blocks his way and argues with him and pleads with him and begs him. And this he calls Great faith. And from her faith, not only is her daughter healed, but as we read further, Jesus' healing ministry begins to go out among the Gentiles, that many Gentile lives now matter to Jesus. And then he feeds 4,000 line jumpers from across the border with only seven loaves. When there is a demon at work, when there is a force that is destroying people, the response of faith is doing everything you can to stop that destructive force and be a force for healing and mercy. Any of us can imagine yelling and fighting to save our own child. Can we begin to imagine to do so for the child of someone else? Maybe to the child of someone we consider to be a threat. For the child of a black woman. For the child of an immigrant who came into this country without documentation. Who are the dogs to you? 
the ones who don't deserve mercy, who only deserve what they get. Can we show the faith of Jesus to listen to a new perspective from a threat, an enemy, an undeserving person? Change our minds and fight for mercy. For there lies great faith. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord speaks to us in scripture and prayer and word, and the Lord speaks to us in song. I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord, to reflect and respond for the word that the Lord has given to you. If you feel called, this is an appropriate time to give using our text or our website features. <laughs>